You're listening to episode 20 of the Film Festival Secrets Podcast. I'm Chris Holland. Uh, We're going to take a tour of crowdfunding advice for the next few episodes, uh, mostly because I'm in the middle of a campaign for the Atlanta Film Festival. Uh, This is our second year of fundraising for travel funds for the filmmakers who come to our festival. Uh, We figured that that's something our audience can get behind. So uh, last year we ran a pretty successful campaign to to raise funds for airfare and hotel and that sort of thing. And we're doing it again this year. Uh, If you want to check that out, that's atlantafilmfestival.com slash fund, F-U-N-D. This episode, um, like a couple more episodes I'm going to be putting out soon, was actually recorded during last year's campaign. Uh, So you're going to hear the voice of Charles Judson, who was the artistic director at the time. And uh, we talked to Elizabeth Holm, who is the program director, uh, the film program director, rather, for Kickstarter, uh, the company Kickstarter. How about that? And she was also the producer, one of the producers of... Um, Obvious Child, which was a film that played um, Sundance, and it also played the Atlanta Film Festival. And we thought, you know, she would be a great person to talk to about the um, process of kickstarting for filmmakers, what it's like uh, on the inside of the Kickstarter, the company. And uh, her advice, you know, having seen so many projects and um, what filmmakers should do uh, to maximize their chances of success and and where she sees Kickstarter and crowdfunding as a whole going in the future. So take you to listen to this, Um, you know, keep in mind that it's uh, (laughs) a year old, but um, a lot of the advice is still sound. And I uh, hope you get as much out of it as we did. Thank you for doing this. It's, yeah, um, no problem. You guys are doing well on on Kickstarter. I feel like you're in a good you're in a good spot. Yeah, well, we talked a lot about what our game plan was beforehand and what we were specifically trying to achieve. And then, you know, we just spent a lot of time talking about what interesting things we could do that would be different, um, and not just hey, hey, you know, support the campaign, you know, and how we could use this as continued sure. outreach. What we do, so it's been working really well. Yeah, I really like the backer, uh, the reward to be a, to vote on films, like the backer jury. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, it's nice to kind of separate it, obviously, from the other jury awards and things like that. But it's a cool sort of take on the People's Choice Award <laughs> um, or like the Audience Award. You know, I think it's to me like the most exciting rewards are the ones that engage the community in what you're doing. Um, obviously, you know, tickets and passes are great and sort of the bread and butter of, of how that how this works. Um, but I think that that reward was especially cool to me to see and to be so reasonably priced uh, was really nice. That was one of the best ideas we stole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we caught what we did was we actually called other people who had ran campaigns first and asked them, like, what worked before we even like even started um, creating our own rewards. Yeah, I mean, I think that Kickstarter is initially really transparent as far as, like, we want you to be able to see thousands of other projects and see the things that have come before you and see what's worked. And um, obviously, we have our own sort of tips and tools through Kickstarter School and the FAQ, but I always i am just pulling projects for other people saying, have you seen this? Have you seen that? I feel like it's, you know, 
it's good that you guys did your research and homework that way for sure. All right, cool. Well, we're going to officially start the podcast. So we just want to start. Started. Oh, we started. Oh, we started. Okay. Oh. Yeah, we just got a bunch of good stuff. Oh, okay. We did. Okay. Out. All right. I didn't even realize we started. I didn't, oh, there, there is a red button. Oh, there it is. It's blinking. It's blinking. Oh, yeah. ready. Okay. So, Elizabeth, at first, you know that you wrote that first. Um, just how did you, you know, come to Kickstarter? Um, so I came to Kickstarter about three years ago. Um, I was working in documentaries and... Uh, raised funds for a doc I was working on that was going into a theatrical release um, in the spring of, gosh, I guess that was in the spring of 2010. So Kickstarter was just a year old and I really just fell in love with the platform and um, felt like the whole experience of running a project was just so energizing and inspiring and and um yes we raised a bunch of funds very quickly that helped us with the release but much more than that i felt like we really built a community around the project really engaged our audience got some press raised the profile of the film um kind of all of the things beyond funding that i didn't really expect i was really moved by um and i wanted to help more filmmakers have that experience i wanted to be somewhere that was about you know, seeing more art in the world and helping people make and share, you know, their creative work. And I think um, Kickstarter is absolutely that place. And so, uh, you know, I continue to make films. Obviously, I produced Welcome to Pine Hill, which played Atlanta in uh, 2012. Um, and I've, I'm producing a film called Obvious Child now uh, that I took a few months off Kickstarter to go into production on, which actually just, uh, we just announced yesterday, two days ago, got into Sundance. Um, so I'm, I'm still making movies as well. Um, but I, you know, I came to Kickstarter to help bring more filmmakers to the platform and to, um, you know, work with them on that experience. And, uh, so yeah, I, I sort of came through being a, a creator first, um, and I'm continuing to use it uh, for my own projects. Congratulations on the, on the Sundance pick. That's great. Thanks. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Always, always great news every year. Um, tell, tell us the title of that film one more time. Uh, that film's called Obvious Child. It's uh, a comedy with Jenny Slate, and it's premiering in Next. Um, so look out for that. Yeah. Oh, cool. I have to check that out. We play a lot of Next films every year. Um, cool. So I got to go, gotta go look at those. Is that yeah. sort of a standard hiring practice of Kickstarters to, to find people from within the communities that, that you know, they, they need a person for? Yeah, I mean, I think that we are um, we are a staff of creators ourselves. Um, we all are, you know, deeply involved in the communities that we serve, and I think that that is definitely um, important to us to be a creative and curious person. Um, and uh, I don't know that I don't think that's a requirement, but I would say that the vast majority of people who work at Kickstarter have run projects or are planning projects. Um, but it's, you know, I think it's mostly just about having a real passion for creativity, um, and for bringing these things to life. Uh, that's definitely, you know, the heart and soul of the company. Cool. Well, we, we definitely, I mean, we're obviously, Charles and I are obviously focused on a Kickstarter for a live event and that's sort of important to us. So we'll be naturally inclined to head that way, but we also want to make sure we cover, what works for filmmakers as well. And I think you have, you know, some pretty good experience with that. Pro probably the best experience possible with that. So <laughs> make sure we don't, I don't skip know on about that. Our, uh, well, you've definitely seen enough, right? I mean, I spend a lot of time looking at Kickstarter projects. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Charles got some questions for you. I'm going to sit back and take notes. 
and uh, make sure that we don't skip over what filmmakers need to know, too. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, speaking, you know, to live events, since we're doing our own campaign, um, you know, have you seen a lot of live events, you know, fundraising, not just film festivals, but other events? And are they doing really interesting things beyond just giving away tickets and passes? Yeah, I mean, certainly film is one of 13 creative categories on site. So in things like theater and, and dance, there's loads of performances. Obviously, we saw an opera at the Kennedy Center, I think, last summer. Um, we've seen some really incredible, whether it's a festival or a conference or a one-off uh, performance or event. Um, yeah, we see a lot of that. And they're definitely some of the coolest projects on site. There's obviously, as you say, the bread and butter of like selling a ticket or a pass or maybe it's a membership or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think the rewards where people find ways to engage the community in what they're doing, um, or maybe not even in the rewards, but using things like project updates and messages to have conversations with the community to find out, you know, what the community is interested in seeing or being a part of. Um, I think that's really where kind of the creativity lies is inviting the community in to participate in, in the process of making the thing or on, you know, on the day of. Um, so yeah, I think those are some of the, some of the best projects on Kickstarter for sure. And for those uh, live events, they, is it size dependent? Is it more like the, like Kennedy Center have, you know, places like that have a huge staff so they can, you know, do the social media campaign and do everything else. But have you seen a much of a difference in success between large organizations as opposed to somebody where it's maybe just, you know, three people in an office running a little small little theater? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we've seen over 50,000 projects on Kickstarter. The vast majority of them raise around 10,000. Um, so most projects are like pretty small. I mean, I even look at sort of all of the movie theaters that have run, you know, effectively like go digital or go dark campaigns over the last couple of years, like the independent cinemas around the country. And some of them are, you know, a super small hundred seat theater in Chicago. Others are, you know, bigger, several hundred or a thousand in LA. Um, it's really, uh, there's a really broad range of stuff on Kickstarter. And I think whether you're three people or in an office or at the Kennedy Center, it's the same sort of platform and, and process and uh, find the way to connect with your community through the tool. Can you uh, give a little context around the go digital or go dark concept? Um, yeah, I guess that's a little bit less event specific, but um, as I'm sure you guys know, independent theaters all around the country had to uh, update to uh, play DCPs. Um, and so a lot of theaters that have, were, you know, leaving 35 millimeter print and going digital um, ran Kickstarter projects for sort of a variety of uh, theater restorations and upgrades. Um, we saw, you know, CineFamily in LA, The Roxy in San Francisco. Uh, the Ragtag Cinema in uh, Columbia, Missouri, where True False is. Um, I mean, we've seen dozens of these. I actually was doing a talk at uh, an Art House Convergence conference, uh, like a satellite conference uh, in upstate New York over the summer. Um, and with theaters, I think that sort of the, the main thing was not only to upgrade and obviously keep the theater going, but was really about, I think, building... Uh, an even bigger community using it as an opportunity to tell the story and the history of the theater and to give people a sense of like, who are the people behind this space, this community space and, um, you know, kind of just use Kickstarter as a storytelling platform as much as a fundraising tool. Um, and so I think a lot of people found new members and found new relationships, you know, with people in their community that they had never really talked to face to face before. 
Um, so I think that those are actually some of my favorite film projects on Kickstarter are the independent theaters um, that, that have done that in the last couple of years. I think those have been some of the coolest ones. If you get a chance to watch the Ragtag Cinema project video, it's like a beautiful, almost silent short film. It's awesome. So how important would you say is that about telling story? Because I know for us, that was actually one of the things I talked about um, when we were talking about our Kickstarter campaign, you know, to bring ours to Atlanta. That, you know, in the past, we've done the email campaigns where you're like, you know, give us money, give us money. But there's nothing really that explains people not only what we do, but kind of does it on an emotional level. And for us, that was a huge, important part of our campaign that we really want to make sure it was part of it, that we were really telling a story. And it was a very specific story. It was really about how bringing artists to Atlanta engages audiences, but also really helps filmmakers. So I think for, you know, crowdfunding, how important do you think that that is and how are people learning that learning that process? But telling more, you know. Telling a story. Yeah, I think it's totally critical um, when you're making work and you're inviting people to be a part of it that you share about who you are and why you're passionate about making this thing and, and where you are in the process and, and how we can be involved. I mean, yeah, in your video, you really sort of uh, focus on bringing filmmakers to the festival, that that was the one thing that audiences really felt like they connected most to and I think you know very similarly on Kickstarter like you want that connection with that filmmaker or that artist like you want to know um who the person is that's making the thing that you know you're going to be backing um so I think that there are certainly a lot of creative ways that people have communicated you know who they are in their work it's not always a direct to camera pitch it could be a stop motion animation or through cards or uh we <laughs> There's one video where uh, a guy basically uses a stuffed animal and his dog to uh, substitute for himself. Um, but any way that you can kind of, you know, give us some sense of your personality and your connection to the thing that you're making, I think that that's definitely critical. Um, you know, the story behind the story is, you know, is totally paramount. Yeah, I think. Uh, I would say the good example of that is there's one project I saw on there called Forever Fest, a celebration mm -hmm. of early pop culture. You know, and they say that the way they describe it is finally a festival of fans of female centric films, books and TV to come together and celebrate their obsessions about shame. And it was in Austin. And, you know, the can't the awards they had weren't really that radically different. You know, there are T-shirts and passes, but they made their goal. And I think it seemed to be it was less about the rewards and more that for people who really wanted that type of experience, this is what engaged them. You know, so I think how much, you know, how much would you say just that, you know, for especially for live events, but even for even anything else, it's about the experience that that you have to get across as a key part, not so much to focus on rewards. Yeah. I mean, Kickstarter is a, I back this thing because I like or believe in this thing or this project and I want to see it happen. So certainly for an event like you back an event that you want to go to. Um, I mean, I think it's a fairly sort of direct uh, exchange. Um, so I think that in general, backing is about that kind of, you know, mix between like patronage and commerce. I think it is about wanting to support something, but also wanting to participate in something and have that experience. So definitely. I, I want to follow up on that and ask if you've noticed if on average uh, campaign creators are getting better at telling that story. Because, I mean, we're in, what, year three, four of Kickstarter or, or longer? We're coming, up on, we're coming up on five in April, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder if people are starting to get it or if we're seeing, I mean, one of the issues we face as a festival is that, you know, 
up to 80% of the people who are submitting to us are first time filmmakers and the turnover is huge. So, you know, we don't, we see maybe a very, very small percentage of the people who do what they do and show us their work getting better because they do one, they find out it's hard and they're not good at it and they figure they'll never get good at it and they quit. Is, you know, are people understanding Kickstarter better and how campaigns work better? Or is it a lot of like rookie campaigns? Yeah, I think that, um, I think it's a mix of both. I mean, Kickstarter, I think, is a very universal tool, whether you are a first timer or a veteran who's run multiple projects. I think obviously if you've run more a project before, you have the vast wealth of experience of doing it and, and the same way when you're making your second or third film, there are just things that you continue to learn. Um, but certainly as far as kind of overall public consciousness of what this thing is and how it works and, and why it's cool. I mean, at this point, we've seen over 5 million people back a Kickstarter project. We've seen over a million and a half back more than one. Um, I think I want, I want to say we've seen about 100,000 or something like that back 10 or more, but don't don't quote in the podcast where you're quoting me on everything. Um, but, uh, you know, we I think that for sure there is more and with every Kickstarter project, there's going to be more and more information and resources on the site of past projects to look at as an example, sort of as we were chatting about at the very beginning of the call. Um, so I think there's more and more out there um, to to look at and to get a sense of, of what's working. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's always going to be a huge swath of people for whom this is their first time. Um, but the repeat creator community is certainly growing, growing as well. Um, so I think, you know, it will always be a mix of uh, this is someone's first experience. And at the same time, there's certainly a growing, you know, sense of Kickstarter out in the world and, and people getting better and better at how to have a conversation about their work and, and share it with the community and, and bring it to life through the site. I definitely noticed that the overall quality of campaigns going up. I've backed, I guess, 50 campaigns at this point. Cool. And yeah, I don't know whether it's because people understand what makes a successful Kickstarter campaign or um, it's, it's kind of hard to tell who the repeaters are because they'll start a new account for each project sometimes depending on who yeah which i wouldn't recommend i mean i think it's important that you have you know show your history like i've backed 550 kickstarter projects and i think it's always exciting to me when i see creators who you know your name it says like first created uh 10 backed or something and i think it's cool to be able to see like if you're running a kickstarter project that you've backed 50 um i would recommend like always doing it with the same account if you if you can um i think it's nice to see someone's history sorry i totally interrupted you no that's <laughs> you fine actually that, that was kind of going where where uh you know where i was going um we specifically when we started our campaign we took charles's personal account and converted it to a company account because mm -hmm. we wanted that history. We wanted to show that this was a you know a thing we were already engaged in sure. before you know we started a a, a project. Sure. Um, sure. I also think it really helps you know <laughs> obviously with your future projects. Uh, the example I like to use is Studio Neat. Um, they made the the glyph uh, iPhone you know stand slash tripod mount slash whatever. And they come out with new projects all the time that, you know, well, not all the time, but often enough that and maybe they don't have anything to do with iPhones or whatever, but they have people who are interested in them. 
and their projects. And they're always something cool and not that expensive. And anyway, that's a lot of history to say they've built an audience and that audience sure. is interested in, in them and what they do, not necessarily the, the ice cube tray for, you know, for scotch that they've made or whatever it is. Yeah, I think that that's definitely true. I mean, I've backed uh, projects. The main reason that I back Kickstarter projects beyond getting the rewards and just being a part of it is I really like getting project updates to sort of keep track of what's going on with all these things out in the world. So, of course, with the Sundance announcements going around, I got, you know, a ton of project updates from films that I had backed a couple years ago, um, you know, announcing that they were finishing in time and premiering at the Sundance Film Festival and then I got some from other projects where it was not, the Kickstarter was not for that specific film, but they were a Kickstarter creator and wanted to share with the community that, you know, back their last project, like this is what they're doing now. And um, this one was going to the festival. So definitely, I think it's a space to build audience for yourself as a creator, um, you know, beyond that one specific project. I think it is just a way to have a direct conversation with people who, you know, care about you and your work. Definitely. So one question I just want to ask is, is this a number you can share, like, about how many um, projects are, like, are making, like, are, are repeat projects, you know, that they're coming back and doing another Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, I actually, I have to check uh, with Justin. I don't know the, re I don't know the repeat creator uh, numbers offhand, but it's pretty high, actually, um, and certainly growing. But I'll have to check. I can, uh, I'll show you an email after the... Uh, okay. Okay, because I think it's just it, it. I think it's just also a part of the you know. I think what a lot of people don't understand, like you know, when the Zach Graff and Spike Lee and everybody was upset that they were jumping on board and people were backing their campaigns and they felt like it was stealing you know the thunder from independent filmmakers, but they didn't seem to understand that how many people were first time backers. But the oh, fact yeah. that forty percent of the people who backed those campaigns went on to back another campaign, and those were first time people. Those weren't people who were already on Kickstarter. So the fact that there was that spillover effect I think is huge. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, sorry, I thought you were talking about people who are repeat creators. Oh, no, no, it's both that. It's both that. Yeah. About creating a community and coming back and, you know. I mean, absolutely. On, the, on those projects in particular, we saw, you know, thousands, we saw millions of dollars pledged to thousands of other projects that were not, you know, Zach Braff or Veronica Mars or Spike Lee. And I think with all those projects, as you say, they really introduced a lot of people to the platform who then, you know, statistically, we just saw poking around backing other projects and specifically a lot of film projects. Um, so for sure, it's by no means a zero-sum game. If anything, you know, it was really uh, healthy and, and exciting for the community to bring to bring more people. Um, and we have seen kind of that sort of rising tide, for sure. Okay, yeah, because, uh, you know, the 40% is introducing that people to other projects, but the other reason I was kind of connecting that back to filmmakers and projects is I, you know, I think one of the challenges as an independent filmmaker is really creating a following and trying to have a way that you can always continuously connect with your audience. And mm -hmm. I think I agree, like, if you use the same uh, account and you're always using it to do your next projects, then you're kind of building up this following, you know, and people come back. It's kind of like the old model, you know, of filmmakers in the 80s and the 90s when they were very successful with investors that always just came back because they know they love the filmmakers' work. They knew they did awesome, you know, great projects, but they were a point of pride to know that they were investing in this filmmaker's future. Yeah, I, I, I mean, on, sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but you did, uh, and that's Veronica Mars. So uh, finish your thought, and then I want to ask you about that. Um, what was I going to say? That, uh, 
I think what is especially exciting about the community, the audience that you connect with on Kickstarter, um, you know, they're not investors. This is not equity. It's not about backing something because you anticipate some significant ROI. I mean, it's not that kind of thing. It's like, I believe in this. I like it. I want to see it happen. Um, so they're really, the backing comes from, you know, a different place. That's not to say that some projects aren't going to be financially successful. I mean, we've seen about 200 film, films have really significant theatrical release. Um, you know, these are films that are getting picked up by IFC or Radius or Oscilloscope or Magnolia or, or Focus. And, um, you know, it's not to say that these films aren't financially viable, but it's more just like that's not the motivating factor. But I think that with your backer community, I mean, one thing that like a guy like Gary Huswit, for example, um, who's an incredible filmmaker, as well as, you know, someone who's really spent a long time, you know, really building and, and connecting with his audience is like he sees that community not just as a community to talk to and promote his work to, you know, on the contrary, I think he really spends a lot of time asking them questions, using them as a resource and a tool and learning from them because his audience, you know, is interested in all the same things that he's interested in. Do you guys know him? He makes a lot of films about design, like he made Helvetica and Objectified and Urbanized. Um, Very well. So, I saw and, Helvetica at the South Fire when it premiered. Yeah, he's, first of all, like one of the nicest humans I've ever met, but also, you know, it's just really thoughtful about how this audience, like this is a conversation. You have as much to learn from the people who care about the work that you're making as they do from you. Um, and I feel that way very much about, you know, your community on Kickstarter. It's totally a two-way street. And that, to me, is what's really cool about building that group. You, you mentioned, you know, films that have done well at the box office. How closely are you guys sort of tracking the post-campaign success and profitability of, of, you know, the things that originate with your system? I mean, I think that success and profitability are you know, not mutually exclusive, but I definitely think as a filmmaker myself, there's 10 different ways to define success. Uh, you know, for me, it's like I want the film to be beloved by audiences and get good reviews and maybe win some festival awards. And most of all, I want the opportunity to make another movie. Um, so I don't know if the films I make are going to be like super box office successes, but they'll be successes to me. Um, you know, I think Kickstarter, we're certainly not uh, like obsessing over box office mojo or anything like that. It doesn't really matter to us if a film does well commercially, even though I think it's really exciting for those filmmakers. Um, but I spend a lot of my day kind of just seeing where these movies are out in the world, like knowing what festivals they're playing at, knowing when they're playing in New York. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time, I don't know if you check out our editorial, like our Facebook, our Twitter, our Tumblr, um, these are places where we really like to highlight like Kickstarter projects, you know, sort of in the wild. Or actually, you back fifty something projects, so you probably get our new newsletter called Happening. Have you been getting those emails? You know, I get a lot of emails from you guys. I don't know that I specifically. Oh, it's so cool! So we just started this thing yeah. called Happening, which if you back ten or ten or more Kickstarter projects and you're kind of a super user, you'll get it. Um, and it's really, you know, links yeah. about arts, arts and culture. <laughs> Some of them are have nothing to do with Kickstarter. They're just cool things that we're reading, you know, this New Yorker piece or some other like interview uh, with Spike Jones that we think is an interesting conversation about creativity. Um, and then some of them are just, you know, about Kickstarter projects that are long since, you know, funding ended or out in the world and, and doing interesting things. 
Um, so for sure, I think we care a lot about how these projects are, are faring out in the world. Um, but I think the commercial success is sort of less interesting to me than does an audience connect to this? Do people care about this? Is this having a cultural impact? That kind of thing. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to imply that box office was the only thing you care about, but I mean, you knew that number, right? You knew how many, how you had like 200 projects that had gotten to some that level. I, that I know about. I think there's right. probably even more than that, but I'm only one human lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, so my, my follow-up question to that was, what are the other metrics that you track? I mean, there's sort of the, the soft, squishy, are they connecting with an audience, but do you have things that you look for, or are there sort of like earmarks of, uh, not earmarks, but hallmarks of a film that you consider to be success hallmarks? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Not really. I mean, I don't, I don't think uh, you said soft and squishy, like those were bad things. I mean, I think ultimately it I'm takes soft harder. And yeah, <laughs> I think... Um, you know, Kickstarter is founded on the principles of seeing more art in the world. So I think that those are sort of the metrics that we're looking for. Like, is stuff getting made and seen and shared? Do are people connecting with work? Like, that is why we exist. Um, so I can't imagine, you know, if there are metrics beyond that, I have not been made aware of them. That's kind of where, you know, we are certainly cheerleaders for all these projects out in the world. But you know, first and foremost, we're always about just like making sure things are getting, you know, created and, and shared. Sorry, that's a non a non answer to your question or a very hippie-ish answer to your question. Actually, that's but. an excellent answer to, to our question. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, filmmakers, you know, like to see the human face of anything, particularly if that thing, whether it's a company or a festival or whatever, uh, is doing well. I think it's one of the reasons that Sundance maintains its desirability despite the fact that they're huge. It's because everybody knows who Trevor Groth is, and they have this Sundance artists thing where they take care of the people who played their festival 10 years ago. So sure, um, sure. maintaining that human face and being interested in more than just the numbers, as interesting as the numbers are and as easy as they are to obsess over, um, you know, that's, that's an important thing, and I think very comforting to, to filmmakers who are starting out. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of is our ethos, you know, on our Facebook page and social media, you know, like one of the things I've started doing recently, especially once I realized our audience was kind of hungry for it, is just putting up very, you know, quotes about writing and movie making and imagination and creativity. It's amazing how much those go viral, you know, the, I remember a couple of years ago and uh, who, the lady that played Mrs. Landingham on uh, uh, West Wing, when she died, you know, somebody made this great graphic that explained her story about how, you know, she started acting really late in life and, you know, and she, the way she, her path, and that is just very inspirational. I think that got shared like almost 2,000 times on our Facebook page, which is incredible. We've never had anything. I still don't have anything that's been shared that many times. Okay, I'm going to try and put a link to that in the show. Notes. Yeah, I got, I got I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find it. But I think it really is. It's about sharing these things that inspire you. And that when people see that, they connect with you on a level where it's more than just, hey, come buy tickets. Because I personally, also, I'm not a big fan of that. It Also, it's hard to write. I also say that. As communications director, it's hard for me to write, buy more <laughs> tickets. But it's easier for me to write, hey, this is what the cool thing we're doing and why I think it's cool. You just went sure. back three times, Charles. Yes, I did. Yeah. I, knew, I went back to, yeah. To <laughs> so, but, but one thing I wanted to ask, for, uh, you know, that kind of was about the connections is it's interesting you guys do things like, you know, the Kickstarter arcade where, you know, you bring all these projects uh, that have been creating arcade games that were 
you know, embodied in whole or in part, you know, through Kickstarter and bringing these people together and just even looking at the um, comments, like one of the last comments is somebody not only came and had a good time, but they wind up buying two games because they love playing them so much. And so, like, what are the roles that you guys, you know, that you've done these type of events bringing project creators together with the community? Like, what role does that play for you guys? Yeah, it's definitely one of, it's probably the, my favorite thing that I got to be a part of at Kickstarter. I mean, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but we just, we had our third annual Kickstarter Film Fest this summer. Um, like, got to say about 1,500 people showed up. It was free in a park in, in Williamsburg, uh, like beautiful outdoor screening. Um, under the bridge, uh, you know, we showed about we showed like few little excerpts from about a dozen Kickstarter funded uh, film and video projects. Really, a mix of features, shorts, you know, docs, uh, some experimental stuff, some web series stuff, a restoration project, um, and there was also Kickstarter funded food, some musical performances. It was really just like a really beautiful, fun night where creators and backers and just general public who walked by came out um, to watch this stuff. And I think for us, like, seeing these things out in the world, being excited about them, being able to, you know, help continue to share them with a bigger community um, is totally, you know, something that we want to do and something that we love doing. Um, And so I'm already starting to, you know, plan Kickstarter Film Fest next year. Um, Obviously, Kickstarter Arcade at PAX is, is a similar event. Um, you know, I think that the Kickstarter, we talk a lot about the Kickstarter community, but sometimes it's hard for people to see because we're a website. Um, but we know there are these, you know, 5 million people out there who back these projects and the 50,000 projects that have reached their goal. I mean, these are real people. Um, and I think it's, it's really awesome for us when we have the opportunity to throw these events where people come out um, and just, you know, human to human connect to each other and to the work. Um, that's like my favorite thing about what I get to do here. So are you good to go for a few more minutes? I think we said half an hour, but you know, obviously there's still stuff, still stuff to talk about. So yeah, I have, I have about five minutes. If you have, if you have one, one or two last ones, and then I do have to jump off, unfortunately. Okay. That's not a problem. We'll, uh, we'll triage here real quick. And um, actually we've only got two questions left. Um, did you want to ask about our Kickstarter in particular, or just go for for those? Yeah, I was like, let's. Yeah, I think let's let's. Yeah, I mean, I guess we have other questions. Let's hit those. All right, Charles got two more questions, and then I have one very short question at the end, and then we'll be okay. Back. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things I think that I would like to know is, you know, have you seen um, film festivals? You know, like besides just fundraising, you know, like I, I, what things have you kind of seen that are they've they've been using the platform in innovative ways or connecting with it? You know, because I know. You know, Sundance with their artist services has someone that kind of helps with people that, you know, and on the minimum level, a lot more film festivals are including in their emails and their blog posts about, you know, their alums and trying to help publicize it. But have you seen anything else that's been interesting that people have been doing with Kickstarter? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, whether it's festivals or film societies, some of my favorite projects are the film restoration projects, like a lot of restoring old prints or going back and looking for never before seen footage or like this past year portrait of jason do you guys know that film shirley clark's like 67 i think it's from 67 documentary about jason holiday that she just filmed for like 12 hours in the chelsea hotel um is one of my favorite things i've ever seen on kickstarter milestone films and uh the academy got together to restore it and to create a dcp 
Um, and the film was playing, you know, rep theaters all around the country this last year. Uh, we actually showed like 10 minutes of it in the Kickstarter Film Fest. Um, I think that like, that's really cool to see, you know, the cinephile community and the film history community um, embrace Kickstarter and use this resource that I think, um, you know, at first glance is, is a, a totally a digital tool, um, but kind of trying to, uh, you know, revive and, and save and share uh, the analog, analog through our digital tool um, is really cool to me. Um, and those are definitely some of my, some of my favorite projects for sure. I thought you had a question. Well, I do have a question for the end, but go ahead and ask. Uh, oh, because, oh, yeah, and just my and just my follow-up, you know, from that is just, you know, have you, as you've seen filmmakers take to, um, you know, Kickstarter, um, I mean, you know, one of the things I was think is very impressive when you first hit that $100 million uh, milestone, it was amazing that number that was most uh, stark is that $60 million of that came in like one year. Yeah. Um, you know, so do you think that was, you know, was there anything specific in that that you think came of that? You know, was this, it was just filmmakers just bad at Kickstarter when they first started out? Or was it just more that, you know, were they coming up with better, better perks? Or was it just that at that point they really got excited about the possibilities of well, being able to have fun? Yeah, I mean, I think we hit 100 million around, uh, around December or January last year for Pledge to Film. And now we're at over 180 million. We've seen about 12,000 films. Uh, reach their goal and uh you know i think that sort of site-wide the growth has just been really exponential and the number of projects and the success of those projects like across categories um has been really significant um and certainly like sort of the growth rate of, of repeat backer backers the stuff with like the higher profile projects that we talked about bringing more people to the site i mean i think all those things are kind of contributing contributing factors um and I think, yes, as you said, like people are just, you know, getting more comfortable with this, getting to know this, getting better at this. And it's really become um, exciting to be part of the fabric of filmmakers making work. Um, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who are just like, well, we're doing this, that and the other. And then, of course, at some point we'll do Kickstarter. Um, and I think that that is uh, really cool <laughs> to hear that it's sort of just baked into the fabric of of making something um, and that we, you know, can be a part of and a, and a service to the community in that, in that way. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, all, all across the board on Kickstarter, it's just been uh, really exciting and, and awesome to see that kind of uptake on, you know, number of projects and, and dollars pledged. We're, uh, we're coming up on a billion pledged site-wide, um, which is a totally crazy number that I don't even yet really know how to say out loud yet. Um, but, uh, it should be, um, I'm really excited for, you know, things that we, that we can talk about, uh, when we get there in the, in the next couple of months. That's um, what, like two and a half pledges for every, uh, every person in the country, if you just <laughs> to the United States. Probably, but I, I'm 500 and something of those pledges, so. Oh, you're, you're carrying a few people. You know? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. too, apparently. Uh, yes, indeed. It's, it's kind of a problem. I have a, a friend who's a producer in L.A. whose wife took him aside and said, look, I know all these people are your friends, but really, you've got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> and so when, when I asked him to pledge a dollar to our campaign, which is sort of my standard ask, like, I just want your dollar and I want 
the sort of automated like you know follow emails that go out from sure, Kickstarter sure. so that people see your support of this project. Um, you know, he he actually had to think about the dollar <laughs> and how it was going to affect his marriage. Uh, That's but that, really dovetails, funny. that dovetails really nicely into my question. Uh, you know, I was talking to Joe Byer, who I'm sure you know, um, at Sundance, and he was saying that he thought you know Kickstarter has had its taxicab moment, where you'll hear conversations in like if you talk to your taxicab and you say Kickstarter, the driver doesn't look back at you and go, "What the heck is that?" Right? Um, and he said it was what did he say? It was like it's both uh, a company, a brand, and a verb, uh, which I, I really liked. Anyway, so I, I was kind of wondering, you know. Veronica Mars, that project for me was sort of the, like first as a, a backer and a fan and all like where I sort of knew like this is this is big. Right. And I'm sure it was a big day in the office for you guys. What, and I'm sure it's, that, that sort of helped with the uptick of acceptance in film and number of backers. Did that rising tide sort of lift all boats at Kickstarter or do you see adoption rates jump by category as high profile? you know, projects go online. You, I mean, if you can even talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I think sort of anecdotally, my, my guess is, you know, it's, it's totally across categories. I mean, uh, film movies and TV are, you know, the language of the water cooler. And so I, I think that something like Veronica Mars is very universal beyond kind of the film category or, you know, we look at like Tim Schafer's double fine project, which was another very big project for us uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and I think, again, those, you know, those projects do reach beyond the initial community of the of the creative category. Um, so for sure, I think it is um, it has <laughs> I guess we we're at that at that taxi cab moment, as you say, I um, I do love traveling for Kickstarter. And actually, like whenever I go to another country uh, to go to a fest film festival or a conference or something, I get stopped at the border and they ask what I'm doing there. And I say I'm speaking at this festival and first of all they look at me like you're speaking it's like you're 12 years old which I do about <laughs> yeah. it's fun. Um, but then they you know they look down at my customs claim or they ask me what I do and I'm like oh, I work with Kickstarter and then like I would say that in the past two years like increasingly people will at I they used to ask me what that was and now it's just like oh I just backed this thing like they'll like talk to me <laughs> about the pebble watch or something so it's a uh, it's been a really yeah, it's been it's been really awesome. It's it's the taxi test, but it's also the border patrol test, I suppose. <laughs> uh, we're adding to my catalog of litmus tests for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you just went to Argent. Was it Argentina? There was a couple of places I saw you just you just went to. I was not in Argentina. No, I mean, I mean Kickstarter. I mean, you, like you just started launch, like opening it up. Like I oh, was... so Kickstarter recently launched. Um, we launched about a year ago in the UK, and then in the fall, we officially launched in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Um, people from all over the world have always been able to pledge to projects, but now folks from those places can actually launch projects from, from Canada, uh, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. Um, so yeah, we've been seeing a lot of really cool, uh, projects from, don't make me say down under it in an Australian accent, they'll, they'll kill me. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been really, uh, fun to see a lot of new work from new places popping up on site. Well, this conversation has been fun too. Uh, if people want to uh, find you either on the Kickstarter site or on Twitter or like where can they find you online? Yeah, I'm Betty Holm on Twitter, B-E-T-T-Y-H-O-L-M. Um, yeah, please uh, follow me, reach out. Um, and of course, you guys hopefully know how to find Kickstarter. If not, I'm not doing my job. Um, but 
Yeah, Charles, if you have, you know, individual filmmakers or folks who want to get in touch, you know, feel free to reach out. And um, thank you guys so much for your morning. Um, oh, thank you been, for spending time with us. This is great information. Thank you, Elizabeth. Cool. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. I want to thank both Charles Judson and Elizabeth Holm for being a part of that episode and lending their expertise and insight about uh, crowdfunding. I hope you guys found that as interesting and informative as I did. Uh, you can find the current Atlanta Film Festival crowdfunding campaign at atlantafilmfestival.com slash fund, F-U-N-D. And you can find my site at filmfestivalsecrets.com. I'm on Twitter at FFSecrets, and you can subscribe to this podcast at filmfestivalsecrets.com slash podcast, or search for it in iTunes or on your favorite podcast directory. Uh, and if you like the show, please leave a review in iTunes. That really helps uh, people find me. If you didn't like the show, don't bother. That's okay. I understand. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, and I'll see you next time.